The following production is part of the We Be Geeks podcast collective. This podcast is brought to you in part by the Pop Insider. The Pop Insider has all the latest in news, merch reviews, and other geeky goodness. Whether you're a wizard, a Sith Lord, or a superhero, fuel your fandom at thepopinsider.com. Microphones and headphones provided by CAD Audio. CAD Audio, expression through innovation. Produced with podcasting gear from Tascam. Trust your audio to Tascam. Sound thinking. Crisis for the geek kind. Top geek officials admit they underestimated the hipster's defense capability. Geeks from all over the globe are joining up to fight for the future. They're doing their part. Are you? Join Weeby Geeks and the Geek Revolution and save the world. Service guarantees citizenship. Want to know more? Do not attempt to adjust your device. This is a stream freedom audio bulletin. It cannot be traced. It cannot be stopped. And it is the only free voice left in the Geek Revolution. And welcome to another episode of Weeby Geeks. It is your dashing duo, Derek and myself, Mike. Um, we do have a guest tonight, but before we get to him, I just want to set it up this way. In geekdom, most people think with geeks, uh, it's all about superheroes and sci-fi. Uh, what else am I missing, Derek? Uh, Anime, fantasy. cartoons, fantasy. Well, you and I both, especially with previous independent artists we've had on the show before, and we're both from that same genre where our parents... Our, our fathers watched westerns when we were kids on Saturday and Sunday mornings after cartoons were done. <laughs> I, I personally love westerns, and some of, some of the independent artists we've had uh, within the last year, we've had quite a few from the western genre. Well, we have another one. Uh, he is director, producer, author, and a real-life cowboy himself, and I had the pleasure of introducing you, Derek, to Bill Foster. And, of course, all our citizens as well. How's everyone doing? Hey, great. Thanks for having me on. I don't know if I can live up to that intro or not, but we'll try. <laughs> you, you've got three projects in the works. Well, one that's out, one that's coming, and then one that's in production. Is that correct? Well, one, one's not. I hadn't got one out yet. I thought I'd have it out by now. The showdown on the Brazos, but uh, COVID knocked us in the head. We, we, we like three days finished filming it, and uh, distribution's wanting it. I mean, I've got four or five different companies. We're just so close, and then all of a sudden, we got notice from our governor that we couldn't group over 10 at the time, and we're looking at 70 five to a hundred people on set and so oh, we're trying to figure yeah. out a way around that uh we're actually and then the other one that's in production right now is it's called i've got your six in fact uh, my musician he's probably gonna pull an all-nighter because we're trying to get it into a film festival and the deadline's tomorrow oh so, wow uh, oh wow yeah, yeah nothing like pushing the deadline but my second editor he's sitting there waiting uh and he's got everything fixed in fact I'm, in fact i'm downloading his version right now without the music and i'm uh, gonna go through it and uh then we'll enter it in cons the short film festival in cons august oh 7th. cool we'll see worst thing can say is no you know so this is uh, true it, it, 
And it's a neat twist on that movie is every actor that appears in the movie is a military veteran. And it's about a military veteran. So everybody there, uh, probably 50, 60 people there are all veterans. And so it's really cool. Yeah, it's mm. about a uh, old man that was in World War II, is in the nursing home, and he's reading the paper where they were going to turn his old farm into a shopping center, and they called it Worthless Land. And so he want, he escaped from the nursing home to go see that piece of worthless land one last time. And uh, mm. it's about the veterans coming to his aid and all that kind of good stuff. So it, it's pretty neat, man. It's about 19, 20 minutes long. It's the only short I've ever done. And then we're, uh, as we speak, getting ready for our feature film that if COVID will lift, maybe we can start filming it uh, next year in New Mexico is my goal. It's called I Heard the Quail Whistle. And the script so far is like three for three, four for four, something like that on awards. Uh, I've entered it at a lot of film festivals, screenplay uh-huh. contests. Awesome. And have got i think four results back and four results of placing somewhere up in the finalist region so uh, we may have something on that one oh, and congrats. the cool that western is a uh, woman is the hero so it, it's kind of a different different western than your normal john wayne jimmy stewart but my wife challenged me to write it and so you know you can't turn down the challenge from your wife no and, you cannot so yeah and so i wrote the manuscript mm-hmm. and it won an award and then uh we never did have it published and just get we're too busy and then so i turned into the screenplay and i plan on that one being the next major movie and trying to get a you know a pitch packet ready and meet with lawyers next week and see what we can do and i was going to wait till showdown was out there and sold but uh the way things are going right now i think we're going to go ahead and move forward we just can't sit around wait forever right and uh, so we're staying busy and in the vineyard too (laughs) well we'll get to the vineyard part here in a minute uh or here shortly (laughs) definitely before the end of the show uh i want to go back to i've got your six you said it's a short uh you said under 20 minutes yes sir um but you said the thing that impresses me you said this is made with a almost all military veteran cast yeah 100 please tell me you are marketing it that way as well yes yes we will and the only people the only people in the movie are some two voiceovers and they're not veterans but everybody that appears in the movie that you will see is a veteran of the united states military and then we list them at the very end in their rank and the service that they served in (laughs) and so it it it, it really, uh, I think it's going to be a pretty good, t- you know, touch the heartstrings of America. I think that's a, that, that's a very cool. I'm so lost for words on this. Um, <laughs> now, you know, it, it, it's, it's the old man, he's sitting on the side of the road and this deputy drives up and finds him. And, you know, he's just sitting on the side of the road looking at his farm and, and the uh, deputy and him have this, get this bond together because the deputy just got out of Iraq and in, 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 in real life, he is an Iraq war veteran but, and uh, he sits down and starts visiting with this old man he you know, doesn't have time he's trying to get him back to the nursing home and finally he says okay I'll, I'll sit here with you just a few minutes well they suddenly become you know brothers again and as far as military goes and and um, and in every small town everybody's got a scanner and yeah. as the depth talks to the the uh, captain he's listening to it you know and so I try to picture several different places that that this scanners are going off and the veterans that start hearing what's going on because the uh, captain doesn't want 
want him to wait. He won't, he's not a veteran, so he wants him brought in right now. And the deputy's like, we're going to give him as much time as we want. Uh, I'm not going to bring him in any sooner than I have to. And so it just becomes this battle just on the airwaves, you know, between the deputy and the, the captain. And they have no idea all these veterans are hearing this. And, and as one of them says, not today. And so they all come to help the old man out. So uh, it, you know, that's the story in the nutshell over that you know, 19 minutes of, of the movie. That's that's very cool. Yeah. Uh, and, and again, yeah. it's it's very honorable that you're doing a, a movie that is everyone on screen is 100 percent military veterans. Mm-hmm. Uh, Thank you. That, that is that is commendable. And uh, Thank you. Yeah, that's really cool. I, I we even got Father Paul in there, so uh, that was pretty neat to get him in there, too, so as an extra. Oh, that's awesome. See, I would have never have thought about trying to do something like that I'm, if I was that type of person where I was mm-hmm. a filmmaker and I'm making a military movie. Yeah, I want some people who who have a military background to, to help make it authentic, but I would never have thought with something like this type of storyline to go full 100% military veterans on screen who are who are actors to to convey that realism and and the mess, it just it seems like it, it made those the story or the message behind the the short so much easier to tell with people who are who live that every day you know and we we had a counselor on scene she never had to get into action but we had her there just in case but uh there was time or two that we thought we were because some of the veterans had come up to me as a man man you know start talking to me that they were kind of friends and stuff talking about and i never thought about this how difficult it was for some of them it was caused not necessarily flashbacks but yet it was difficult for them to be around that many military again and realize you know hey i was in vietnam it kind of brought back a lot of memories that i didn't really realize it was going to drum up uh we like i said we had a counselor there just in case it you know went south at any point which it didn't but uh i didn't realize how touching it would be to some of those veterans you know, we've got actual motorcycle guys there. Um, you know, a lot of people said, how did you get those motorcycle gang guys to, to act? And I said, I don't know. I just brought them in and talked to them like, you know, normal guys, you know, and they're just as friendly as they can be. <laughs> they had their input and they didn't. I mean, they were like, whatever you want us to do, we'll do it. You know, they get on their Harleys and rev those suckers up and blow your eardrums out. And, <laughs> and you know, they come to the rescue too. And so it, 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 I wanted a cross section of people, men, women, elderly, young, ever. And, and it was real neat when there's two of them walking up and one lady, she's on a walker. She, she's very feeble. And another veteran comes up and helps her walk to where they're trying to get to go. And, you know, they're not really actors. They're just extras that, that wanted to be in this, you know, they're not professional extras or anything like that. I guess I should say they just <laughs> entered the casting call. And I got with uh, veterans for outdoors. Yeah. It's an organization that helps uh, veterans find jobs after they've been in military and get out. And they helped us a lot, locate a lot of veterans. Uh, J.R. William, He's in charge of that. And so uh, we just reached out to a lot of different organizations, VFWs around, and tried to find, you know, 20 or 30. We ended up probably 50 or so uh, veterans to make this movie. And some of them I knew as far as actors, and then the rest of them I didn't know, you know, first time I ever met them. Uh, when, I, when I wrote the script, I wanted the deputy had to be a certain character and I really searched a long time and, and finally I was out in my vineyard working one day and, and I happened to think a good friend of mine that's an actor and I said he's got to be the one and so I call, I stopped working and called him right then he's he's like man I'm on board and so 
uh, that, that's when we started putting it together. Because, you know, you have in your mind as a writer, director, what it's supposed to look like when it comes out. And you know, I went to some acting classes, and, and if you're an actor, you realize this 90% of it is just your look. Uh, 10% is talent. But if you don't look the part, you're auditioning for a, a biker, but you're clean cut, you know, and don't have any tattoos, you're not going to get the part. But if you look the part, right. you're going to get the part. And so uh, right. the guy playing the, the deputy, he looks the part, he, he's, he does an outstanding job. Him and the old man, they're going to win some awards, I think, just because they did so oh, wow. well in, in casting. So That's awesome. What... <laughs> See, I'm impressed that you even had a counselor on on set. Was, was that something that was advised for you to do, or something or, I thought of? I, I just tried to hit all. Basically. Amazing. Uh, my daughter's an RN, so we had her there just in case anything else happened. Um, and so we were trying to be prepared for any and everything. You know, whether somebody uh, needed to sit down and talk, somebody actually passes out, whatever the case may be, we tried to have it all ready for there because we knew we were going to have some there that was uh, up in their years and it was it was in December when we shot it but it's still probably 80 degrees that day for whatever reason reason we were just lucky you know December you're thinking it's going to be 35 40 degrees and cold all day in fact it got warm a time or two so we had to get you know we wanted to be prepared for whatever happened and uh, right. luckily we didn't have anything and if you've seen a Christmas vacation you know where they're walking through the woods and they find that Christmas tree right. the light shines down oh yeah yeah <laughs> That's kind of what it was when I found this set. Uh, I had looked everywhere trying to find a certain location and and finally found one. And it was just like when I drove on set, it's just like that same thing. The light came down from heaven and started, started singing. And the bells were going off. And I was like, I found it. It's here. It's right here. That's it. You know? <laughs> That's awesome. Now, do you know if um, if the cast has stayed together and kind of formed their own family over the bonding of doing this film? Or I think some of them have because they were already kind of in groups, and I know one of them, uh, military advisor on that, he. He's been in my other movie just by luck. Got, he he got into the shadow, uh, showdown on the Brazos, and he's helped us out a bunch. And so you know he's he's kind of he's helping other act, uh, military veterans try to get into acting, try to be extras, try to be grips uh, or whatever it takes just to get out there and 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 bond with other people. So you know it's really turned him. He was just he was retired, didn't really doing nothing, and and so he's he's fell in love with the movie making. And he says, man, if it takes cleaning toilets for y'all for me to be on set i'm gonna be there and so you know in, in stephenville where i'm from they've already extended the olive branch and said when uh, this thing gets ready and we can you know get past covid they're gonna have a red carpet premiere for us you know the spotlight oh very cool and one of the guys that uh, did some music for us uh for the bar scene he's gonna do a little concert beforehand and uh get get that in there and and uh, have y'all ever heard of bill king the jazz pianist back in the 70s yeah. uh, yes his, yes mm. his son evan is my musician and uh just doing an amazing oh, wow. job oh very cool yeah i got him for a showdown and then i said hey would you like to uh look at six and see if you want to do that and so he just fell in love with it too and we've been working and he's the one I'm talking about uh burning the midnight oil the night trying to get it all done before that <laughs> first day right in the park so we can get it in there. But 
he's so talented. Oh man, music! What samples he gave me so far! I just keep playing over and over. It's one of those. It's one of those tunes when you hear it, kind of like Lonesome Dove or or Open right, Brain right. or some of those. When you hear it, you know you'll know from then on that's what it is. I mean, it's got that definite of a feel to it. So, and I told him, I said that's kind of what I wanted, and he was he's been able to put it on the on the music and get it done. It's unbelievable. Very, that's awesome. Very cool. Now. Um, in case some people don't know, you're from Texas. Yes, sir. Where in Texas are you located? Central Texas, southwest of Fort Worth in Stephenville. We okay. moved to Stephenville about in February. We were living on our vineyard in a you know the tiny home craze, and so we tried that for 18 months, and tiny got pretty tiny. But I, I've been in education for 33 years, so I've, I've traveled quite a bit. But the last probably 20 years, I've been right here in Central Texas in two or three different schools, but right here in Brown County, Rath okay. County area, so pretty much Central Texas. I used to live in Shreveport, Louisiana. Oh, man. So, so right yeah. down the road from you. And when my wife and I were in college and dating, we would take trips into the Dallas-Fort Worth area all the time uh, over Las Colinas at the studios there. Um, just hop on I-20 near yep, there. Yep. Uh, there's, there's just so much to that area. Uh, it's so rich with culture. And, and people, I, I, I don't think people realize that with the Dallas-Fort Worth, Arlington area. They, no, they, I, yeah, it's, 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 more, it's more than just the football team. Yeah, yeah, it's just beautiful culture. Love to go up there and just find neat places to eat and hang out. And I love Louisiana. I've got a movie I hadn't written yet. I've got an outline that, that I want to film in Louisiana, going to those swamps, you know. I love yep, the swamps. Yep. They're just beautiful in their own world. And, and, uh, and see, yeah, I want to film it. You, you could do you could you could hit all the southern Louisiana swamps even right there at Caddo Lake. Yeah, because it's the same look. Yeah, and it's just right off. And John and Lane filmed in Caddo Lake. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, it's it's and it would be it wouldn't be a period piece. It wouldn't be a western. It'd be you know we, you could set it at any time. But my my thoughts are like fifties or sixties. And it's a it's kind of a love story between a young man and a woman that's not supposed to be in love at that time. And so, uh, okay. so you, you cross all those boundaries of poor dating the rich and things like that. But, you know, the southern plantation man, mansions and all that kind of stuff, just beautiful over there. Yeah, yeah. So tell us a little bit about uh, Showdown on the Brazos. Okay. Yeah. Uh, started out, I wrote a couple of scenes for, for somebody, and they never did anything with it. And so I said, well, let me, I think I'll just make, you know, my, make my own movie out of it. So at that time, it was just, you know, 10 or 15 pages, and I wrote it to about 30 pages and had some people look at it. And four or five actors said, yeah, we'd love to do a trailer for it. And so I started working on the script. And, and those four or five actors, it's t- now turned into uh, over 250 actors. Wow. Full, full camera crew, editors, way beyond what I ever expected. You know, distribution, uh, four or five companies wanting or more. I just keep sending them to my lawyer and say, talk to them. Uh, it's funny because I've got a new editor and assistant director, not assistant director, assistant to the director. And uh, he's a he's a super super guy, and I got an offer from uh, on a uh, distribution hall. He and I are working together, and he throws his arms up because he's a movie maker too. He says, "I'm trying to find a distribution company, and you just got them coming to you right and left." You know? <laughs> <laughs> I said, "I don't know how they hear about me somehow, but uh, you know we've won some awards with it, and and uh, it, I don't want to do anything that that reflects bad on on our production company." And so 
if somebody says we got to do it better, we're going to do it better. Uh, I've seen a lot of these micro budget movies, you know, where the director's holding the camera and trying to park cars at the same time while he's filming the scene. <laughs> you know, right. it's, it's not going to be one of those. Uh, we try to make it as authentic as possible and just a small, but very small budget. Uh, there was a man that on one of the distribution companies that said he thought it was a multi-million dollar movie when he saw the trailer. And I was like, it's far wow. from that. So, uh, hope. Hopefully, you know, we get the next one going. We can have some of that multi-million dollar budget, but right now, it's pinching pennies, boy. I tell you, you know, buying lots of costumes on eBay. And, of course, we, we, we tapped into uh, reenactors in uh, central, South Texas, you know, some Western gunfighters, you know, put on the show. So they had a lot of their own equipment, and a lot of people had their own costumes. And, and you know, good thing is clothes didn't fit very well back then, so we can put them in some clothes that don't fit perfectly and it looks just fine and so uh, we really uh, trying to make everybody look just like they would have back then and dirty them up and so every once in a while you know if I'm said I just kind of looked around like golly I can't believe how beautiful this all is and so uh, it, it's been a labor of love that's for sure very cool now how'd you come up with the idea for showdown uh, like I said it, it was kind of a off of three or four scenes that I wrote for that other person and they didn't do anything so I just started building and then when you start writing a story, you develop your characters, you develop stories to go with your characters, you develop some background to go with your characters. And so it just started, it's 120 pages now versus 30 at the very beginning. And uh, you start, it, you know, like one person auditioned and I thought, well, he didn't get the part, but I've got a part for him. So I'd go back and write a part in. And so that's part of the way it got, got kind of long on us too. But uh you know, there's some comedy in it. A lot. It's about two Texas Rangers. Um, the the bad side of it, you know, one Texas Ranger is not a Texas Ranger anymore because uh, his family got killed, so he quit being a Texas Ranger. But now wow. his partner brings a new commission to where he's actually can go after the, the outlaws that killed his family and be legal in doing it. And so he can't turn down that commission so he, he's gonna ride one more time and uh, he said i'm not gonna arrest anybody and so he gets to go after nate jones and his gang and uh get some revenge along the side and one of our key lines is you can tell the devil i said hello <laughs> you know we kind of advertise that as part nice. of and uh so uh you know and it come and ends up big shootout you know i wrote it like the old john wayne jimmy stewart era you know man comes in falls in love with the woman and, and uh, has a big shootout at the end, and hopefully the right people win. I don't want to say whether they did or didn't and give away the plot. But, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but I did take break the legs a little too serious on it because my horse fell on me and broke my leg one day on set. So, oh, no. Oof. Yeah. Wow. And I got up, got back on the horse. The guy helped me, and I continued to act and direct the rest of that day. And then uh, all day, 12 hours the next day, had surgery that Wednesday. and put That was Sunday uh, when I did that for 12 hours. And Wednesday, I had a plate put in my leg. So it was hurting. Oh. <laughs> uh, I the can imagine. The yeah. show must go on. Yeah. That's impressive. Well, thank you. I had Jeff Davis there from Hollywood. That, you know, LA, he wasn't coming back, so I had to shoot his scenes, and I was in those scenes. And then I had another, the main actor plays Nate Jones. He's from Iowa. He'd come in from Iowa, and he wasn't coming back, so we had to finish those two days to get those guys in there. And uh, there's one scene where I walk into a building with a gang of others, and, and I told my videographer when we was editing it, I said, see me going there? 
that building right there, when I went in there, I nearly threw up because it hurt so bad. I just leaned against the wall. <laughs> they'd ask me what's wrong. I said, oh, I'm just tired. <laughs> I didn't tell anybody. But that, <laughs> next day, the word got out. So, <laughs> uh, But we kept it wrapped in ice. And uh, when I need to act, I'd jump up and cut the ice off and, and go do it and then come back and sit down and prop my leg up and ice it back down. But the uh, doctor said he couldn't believe wow. the bone didn't come through the leg. <laughs> wow. Wow. Uh, I had, but it swollen so tight. You had those old West boots that come to your knee, the cavalry boots. And that's yeah. where it swollen so tight around that boot. That kind of held it like a cast when I was running around acting. And I just told everybody that, you know, I wrote the movie so I can ride in there. I got shot in the leg. So I was hobbling around there like I got shot in the leg. <laughs> you know, so. <laughs> well, the, probably that cavalry boot probably saved saved it from the bone coming out through. Yeah, that's what well. the doctor said. Yeah, mm. the doctor is actually the blacksmith in the movie, and uh, <laughs> so he's the number one pain doctor in San Antonio. We were filming next to San Antonio, and he he's sitting there on on set, and he Sunday says, "Won't you come to my office first thing in the morning? Come to the back door, and we'll X-ray and see what's going on." I was like, "Okay." Monday morning, I couldn't even walk. You know, Sunday I was able to get around. Monday I couldn't go down there, and they X-ray it, and you, you hear the text, X-ray technician goes, "Uh oh." I was like, "Oh, that don't oh, sound no. good." <laughs> <laughs> They wanted the surgery right then. I said, no, I'm too far from home. So oh. uh, we drove home, got my regular doctor here, and we, we had surgery here that Wednesday. But oh, wow. that knocked off, that knocked off uh, filming about two months. <laughs> oh. So when they say, uh-oh, you just want to go, so that's good news, right? Everything's fine? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> yes. That's kind of like hearing a barber say, oh, crap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and I know the feeling, because right now I'm going through knee issues, uh, and I've got arthritis in my knee. And I, my orthopedic, when I first went, saw him on July 1st, he goes, um, do you have, a, is there anyone in your family who's had replacement surgery on their knee? I said, yeah, my mom has. He goes, well, you could thank her next time you talk to her because you're doomed for it in the future. Oh, man. I'm like, oh, oh wow. thanks. That's all I needed to look forward to. <laughs> Thankfully, <laughs> it's down the road, 10, 15 years down the road. Yeah. But, uh, um, whole... says, have you met your deductible yet? <laughs> oh, <laughs> <laughs> That's never a good sign. <laughs> well, you're going to meet it now. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's not what you want to hear. No. I heard the quail whistle. This is one that you're saying you may be bringing to the forefront as you get ready to when you can wrap showdown. Uh, mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about it. It's a uh, Western where the promise of free land based back in during the immigration uh, back in the 1870s, 80s. It's not year specific, but uh, back when uh, the promise of free land thought that would bring riches to their family. And so it's based on a family immigrating from Ireland and on that promise of free land. And so they've, they've got it in a goal in their mind to go to Nebraska and set up a homestead and, and make good on some of that free land and make it stand for themselves. And so, you know, they get some, there's frustrations along the way because they can't find a way, they get stuck in a wagon train in, in St. Louis and the wagon yard 
finally find somebody that's going to go to the Oregon Trail, and then that'll take them part of the way. And so, you know, I had to research, make sure that's all, you know, on the same kind of pathway. And so, uh, and historically it was, and so this family stays with the wagon train to a certain point, and then they veer off on their own to go to uh, Nebraska. So imagine you and your family pulling up on this hill and looking around and seeing this sea of grass and, you know, back and forth, and you look around, and you're the only people you can see forever. You don't see anybody else around you. It's not only lonely, scary, but exciting too, you know, to know that you're fixing to maybe become rich on this free land. And so uh, the uh, hero, Molly O'Connor, she's the mother. And, you know, women back then had to be so strong. They not only took care of the family, you know, and did, the, well, people don't realize they did all the chores, you know, not only cooking and cleaning, but the, and they milked the cows and fed the animals around the, the house and, and took care of the husband and the family. And, you know, he was out there busting his tail, you know, plowing from daylight to dark. And then he would come in and she would have to have food ready for him. And so she was so strong in that way. You know, and, and when this was written, Women couldn't even vote yet, and so uh, you know I capitalized on some of those strengths, but yet weaknesses of, of the woman, and then um, things happened along the way that caused her to have to sudden uh, rethink her role, and she goes from a victim to a vigilante halfway through the movie, and so uh, and you know I can't give away why she becomes that, but but one day she actually she ends up killing a man and decides that she could do that on a regular basis, you know, for a reason, you know, kind of revenge killing and uh, so that's when she decides to quit being a victim and become a vigilante and, and pick herself up and move on and, and, and take care of these people and so that's the story basically in a nutshell and then there's another character that comes into the story the uh, United States Marshal he's an elderly marshal that the, the uh, you know the United States Marshal Service is trying to get him to retire and he just refuses to retire and he's the one that he's another one of the heroes in the movie uh, you know it's kind of a two hero deal on the woman and her and him and so um, you know he's battling 70 years old probably you know time for the rocking chair but he still wants to be the marshal and he has to go through all this stuff to go along the way and so you know there's kind of two stories going on at once and uh but then they they end up at the same place at the end of the book and the movie so uh hopefully you know robert duvall type character for the sheriff you know charlie Theron, something like that for the female but you know maureen o'sullivan who i was picturing when i was writing you know the, the famous redhead irish lady yeah john wayne <laughs> You know, beautiful, and you know the prairie is not really the best place for a beautiful redheaded woman. It's pretty tough out there, and, but uh, it's a story about her and her husband and her two children. You know, things they have to go through and things that they don't go through without giving away the plot. Well, we don't want to give away the plot yet because you haven't even started filming it yet. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah. So. No sense giving away the plot when, when it's not out yet. Yeah, somebody else might be listening to this show, this show besides the three of us and decide they like it better and write it up. <laughs> but you know, once it's <laughs> once it's filmed and you're in post, definitely come back and talk about it more. Oh, yeah. Yes, and, I'll, and, I'll lay it all out in, in uh, and bring yeah, some, wait, you know. You bring I've some of the friend. cast members, too. You bet. I've got a friend in Santa Fe. He's already lining people up. Oh, and, very cool. Uh, actually, we get we just we were Facebook friends, you know that that along with fifteen hundred other people, you know. But we were both in a ballad of Buster Scruggs together, and we just got to be really good oh, friends. Yeah. Man, and step up with each other, and every time we go through Santa Fe, we stop and see them, spend the night with them, whatever. And uh, you know he he swings a pretty good stick around there, and so 
he said we're going to sit down and he's got a list of people he wants me to talk to because i want to film it in santa fe that area because you know to be uh financially on the right page you don't you know we can't pick up and move production you know if you, if right. you pick up your production from an old west town and then go to nebraska to film in the prairies that the cost of moving everybody is unbelievable so finding a place where we can film the the, the wagon train the prairie and the town scenes there's two or three town different towns you know dodge city and some of those lincoln nebraska um but you know you can you can take corners of a town and make it look different you know just by the angles you shooting in the old west sets and so we've got a set we think we're going to be able to use and there's other big movies been filmed there and so we're going to try to do that and go see some people and so i can't wait to get out there now excellent i'm looking at your imdb i'm seeing a couple things here that are definitely drawing my attention okay you you have an uncredited role they they say you're drunk but uncredited role in alita battle angel yeah, yeah, I, I, how, I saw that. Yeah, how awesome is is that? Even uncredited to be yeah, saying I'm in that film, especially when it's just you and Christoph Waltz on the big screen and nobody else is there but Ooh. you and him. That that was unbelievable. I screamed like a little schoolgirl when I saw it. <laughs> <laughs> but you know. They, uh, you know, I was real lucky. Uh, I've been in, in kind of a story. I got the role when I was elk hunting. And I was up in Colorado, and I'd let my beard really grow because I knew it was going to be cold up there. And, and uh, well, there's one place on the mountain we could get service, and I just happened to walk past that place. And then that night, I was looking at my email, and it's like, uh, crap, they want me to be on Alita, but I'm not there. So I <laughs> sent them an email. I, I jumped out of my sleeping bag and ran like 200 yards to where we get service and told them, I said, hey, I'll be there in a week or so. And so they kept me on the stat on the on the selection and uh they just they picked like 10 of us and i didn't shave i mean i didn't trim myself up it, it was pretty woolly looking and uh they picked like 10 of us to go backstage you know on set and left all the other 60 extras back there and, and they said hey you you come here and sit right here and i said okay and the guy said you're gonna be a drunk well, okay i can i'll pull it off and uh his boss walks by and he says, is this your choice for a drunk? Yes, sir. Good choice. Good choice. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and so, so uh, I said, all those years of practice in college finally paid off. You know? <laughs> but, uh, you know, I'm sitting there. We're in a break and, you know, I can't leave my spot. And so I'm sitting there and I hear somebody talking behind me and I turn around. And there's Christoph Walks talking to his script person about, you know, 10 feet from me. It's like, man, if I'd known as him earlier, you know, how you feel like somebody walks up behind you uh it was just i would turn down we'd have a nice conversation but i didn't realize it's him but yeah when you watch in alita when she sees him come in and he's got that wound in his arm and she can't right. figure out how he got it and then she follows him out and he starts walking when he hits the street there's this drunk laying there on the side of the street that's me and for like two seconds that's all that's on the screen it's just me laying there and and he comes in looks at me and keeps walking and so that that was just amazing to be able to film that now, I'm also saying you have done at least four episodes of Fear of the Walking Dead. Uh, I've done, yeah, I've done uh, two seasons of Fear of the Walking Dead. Uh, the first se- season four, I was one of the vultures that was going to overthrow the uh, main cast. And, you know, that never turns out well when you're picked to overthrow the main cast. So <laughs> after <laughs> three or four episodes, they killed me off and then brought me back as, as a walker. And so I finished season four out as a walker and then was all of season five as a walker also and i was going to go on season six but then covid hit and so uh i never got to be on season six 
for that, and they were going to use me as a walker there too. So uh, that's that's pretty neat. You go to walking school, learn how to walk like a zombie, and as always a mask, what you call a mask zombie, not the ones with the prosthetics, but you pull this latex mask down over your face, and and so you're you're on the camera, okay. but yet you're not real close up sometimes. But right. But I got to uh, work with Lou Diamond Phillips on that. He directed one episode. Oh, so uh, cool. I got thumbs up after one of those, after that episode. So, you know, the funny things behind the scenes is I was supposed to be really deep on that scene. And the scene caused for us to crash through a wall at a hospital and invade this hospital. <clears throat> and so they went through there and I'm six foot four, six foot five. And they went through there and picked out all the big guys they could find, four or five of us. And they put us wow. right behind the stunt people. And they said, your job is to do not let anybody get past you until those stunt people are out of the way. Because we got one shot at this. And so we were playing not only walkers, but bouncers, too, because, you know, everybody you know you got, they all think they're going to get on screen and so you know everybody's trying to fight to get to the camera and so when that wall goes crashing down you can't see it but we've got our arms out you know football blocking these people trying to keep them back you know until the stunt people roll out of the way and then we then we go crashing through the wall too so it's a pretty neat deal it's very cool yeah especially when you got one shot at it cool. that was nerve-wracking yeah, that's awesome so because of the virus that shall remain nameless, that kept you from uh, from going back for season season six. Uh-huh. Well, hopefully, hopefully when this is over and they're back filming again, maybe you can get back out there. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, That'll be cool. And, you know, and I, I'm getting a little more selective as far as my extra work goes because I'm so busy with these other, and I don't know exactly how much extra work I'm going to do. But it's it's great to just go back and see. It's like a family. You just go back and see everybody again and, and get to work with everybody again and, and meet new people. And so, you know, it's those people that I hadn't seen in now for probably nearly a year that can't wait to see again. But, but you know, working on my old production and all this kind of stuff, it doesn't leave much time to do the extra work and, you know, travel down, take two or three days out of a week to go do that, unless it's a really good show with some good actors or something like that. I, I, right. it's gonna, I'm not going to be really selective on which one I do. But I still apply for them, you know, occasionally back before the virus hit, you know. Uh, I've got a role to play on a movie in uh, Montana if the if the virus ever lifts, uh, 30 seconds in hell. It's going to be in Santa Fe. Uh, I was going to play uh, Virgil Earp, but I got a letter the other day from, or a note from the director. They moved me to Morgan Earp, which is fine. We'll be right cool. there just yeah, being one of the Earp brothers and the gunfire, the OK Corral. So that's, I had to shave my beard back into a mustache, but I'll handle it for a little while. <laughs> now, IMDB also says that you and they put you as as one of the stars. It says Elizabeth Tabish, Brian Villalobos, Bill Foster. So, I mean, you're listed right there, top three. Um, the Reconciliation of Love and Revolvers. Yeah, that, that was a, bur- uh, a burner or something, a, a trailer that we shot for somebody. For uh, they're trying to you know get that one off the ground and um, make a movie out of it. And we were able to you know film that uh, uh, teaser burner. They've got all kinds of names for it, but yeah, we got to do that, and that's pretty neat. That was a one-day shoot. There's um, a western, and um, yeah, Brian Elder, he he was one of the stars there. He did a really good job. He's kind of trying to direct and get that off the ground, and he also did a couple more. So I've done a lot for Brian, great guy. And then turned around when I did my movie, he came back and and worked for me too. So that's why I say that family's there that we kind of do things for each other. Excellent. Excellent. Now we we talked briefly uh, before show that you you got something that I may need to get some of your product. 
as as my daughter gets older um, yeah. <laughs> you have a, and you, you've mentioned it brief in, in passing once or twice tell us a little bit not only are you a cattleman which is probably the proper term i should have used instead of a cowboy but you know i'm old school i'm gonna say cowboy as well because yeah. texas you're a cowboy um but you're a cattleman you're a writer you're a director you're an actor and you're a winemaker Yep. Tell yep. us a little bit about the wine. Yeah, we got look, got rid of the cattle and uh, went with the wine. I told my wife at least they won't get out at night and kick you when you get when you when you walk by them. But, uh, there goes your fertilizer. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> We were looking for, yeah. uh, before the acting came up, we were looking for something to, we had 12 acres at that time, and we were looking for something that we could plant and try to make a little money off of. And uh, we did a test on the water, and the water was the wrong kind of water for grapes because we decided to do a vineyard. <clears throat> so we sold that 12 acres, bought 34 acres, and started planting. And our plan was just to sell the grapes. We didn't want to make the wine. We didn't want to get involved in that. We were just going to sell the grapes to local wineries and be done with it. But then there's been such a demand for, we haven't made a bottle yet, but there's such a demand. Everybody wants to taste our wine until we started looking at the profit margin. And, hey, there's a lot of profit margin when you sell it by the bottle and by the pound of the grapes. And so uh, we've decided to do that. And all of our grapes are red. They're staggered right now. We get our first crop here in the next week or two. And uh, it's a it's a variety called Tanat. All of our varieties are dry reds. They're very high-end, make very high-end wines. Uh, don't have any Cabernet or anything like that. That everybody grows. We have Tanat, Morved, uh, Suzal, Alianico, and Tite Verdot. And so we have those varieties and 7,000 plants. So, and then, like I said, they're staggered. We, we've got three-year-olds, two-year-olds, and, and just planted this year. So uh, when it's in full production, we should be making probably fourteen to 20,000 bottles of wine a year. But right now, we'll probably make a couple of hundred this first crop because the first crop's real small, and that's what uh, really started us thinking about bottling it. And then somebody and people were like, yeah, I want some, I want some. And like, yeah, we're going to do this more than just this year. And so uh, right. we're just waiting on the grapes ripening. They're hanging out there on the vine right now, beautiful purple. Just uh, like a week or two of sunshine, and they'll be ready to go. Well, the, the nice thing is, too, with where you're at, you get a really good hard freeze that lasts for a week or two. You've got those grapes that you could turn into to a limited edition ice wine. Yeah. If it freezes in, in August, we're going to have miracle wine. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, plant some whole for, for a major freeze in, in December. Yeah. yeah. yeah we'll pick, we're going to pick ours here in just the next few weeks. Uh, Very cool. But, uh, the, the, we don't grow any whites here because they like the cooler nights, and we like yeah. they, they grow most of those in the Panhandle of Texas, where the days are not quite as hot and the nights are a lot cooler. And so we we all right. that's why we chose the the reds. They like the heat, and and in our 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 uh, climate is a whole lot like Italy and France. It's about the same, and so uh, those are the varieties in Portuguese, and and so we have those different varietals from Italy, France, and Portugal. Oh, very cool. And then, of course, you know, in the old country, in those countries I mentioned, they left it like Tanat is Tanat wine. Morved is Tanat is Morved wine. But, you know, we bring them over here and we get we get experiment and we mix Cabernet and, and Morved together and come up with some kind of red blend. And But we're playing on just like the old country, sticking with the straight varietal rather than trying to mix it up, you know, have a different kind of red blends right. in there. Uh, we'll, we'll be able to offer those five varieties eventually 
as as the variety from the old country, you know, here's Tanat wine, here's more Vedra wine, here is Petit Verdot wine, you know, the straight, and uh, kind of hit a little different niche that way, and uh, so keep our fingers crossed. Yeah, I can I I can't wait to to see what you put out. You bet, and uh, we'll start advertising as soon as we get it in the bottle. It takes about a year now with the, with the new uh, technology to make wine. It doesn't take ten or fifteen years, and you know. The difference between three-year-old wine and two-year-old wine, nobody really knows. You can't really taste it. And so, you know, get out there a year or so and start making that wine. And, and uh, so we're, we're going to haul it all to East Texas over at Nacogdoches. Found a company over there. They'll make small back yeah, for yeah. us. And then we'll go from there. Very cool. Very cool. So did, I, you, know, did you know a lot about uh, growing wine before that? Or is it something you had to kind of learn as you go i knew absolutely nothing <laughs> you know i was raised <laughs> on a farm i was raised on a farm was an agriculture teacher to start out with had an ag degree and so the, the parts of it I, I could understand you know as far as the fertilizer and the soil and the water and all that right. but, but as far as it's been one step at a time and that's you know that's the good part about it is i don't you know when we first started i didn't even know about harvest all i need to know was how to get them up to a certain point like pruning and all that fertilizing and as you go you learn okay this is what we got to do for next year this is what we got to do for the year after and so it's kind of it doesn't all hit you at once it's it's pretty staggered process and so it's a lot of studying uh, a lot of reading and then we hired a, a consultant that helps us out immensely and uh, uh-huh. you know he, he advises on what grapes to grow and i had made a list and luckily funny everything on my list he he had selected too so uh, we were on the same page there, but but uh, he really helps us out. He comes up about four or five times a year, gives us a grade. Sometimes we make a C, sometimes we make an A, sometimes we drop back down to a C. You know, he always grades us, <laughs> but uh, end zone kind of where we are. Like tomorrow, we're going to go out there, and my wife's going to get on the riding lawnmower, and I'm, I'm trying to build a park for a tractor. And so I welded all day today and be welding tomorrow, trying to figure out an easy way to get things done. Oh, yeah. wow. That's cool. Thank yeah. you. That's very cool. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I know there's only there's only been one wine my wife really will drink, and that came from the Cinque Terre region of Italy. But I don't remember if that was a red or a white. I've got the bottle here. Yeah, I'll, I'll just shoot you a picture of the bottle. Yeah, send it to me. I'd love to see it. And uh, yeah, if you end up making something close to that, man, I know I'll probably end up getting a <laughs> bottle or two. Good. That's and you know that's why everybody's you know and, and it gets to be like a it's kind of like a, and we never drank wine until we start put a vineyard in then it gets to be a game of trying all different wines but it's like a golfer who wants to try every golf course you know that he comes across wine drinkers the same way well i will try that just to see and, and some of it we bought some wine in new mexico was on vacation we couldn't even drink it <laughs> we had to pour it out it was so bad <laughs> but uh then, it, but then you buy some more wine and just, you love it you know and so uh we went to fredericksburg which is like the capital of wine in texas this last weekend and, and brought home several different different bottles and and you know it's amazing how your taste will really accumulate over the years and you're like man we just finished a bottle here uh the other day it was just delicious and so there's some really good texas wines out there yeah yeah well i was surprised i was surprised to hear or even here in florida uh because derek i know you got plenty of wineries up in your area uh i was surprised i was surprised we had as many around me in central florida because i was almost thinking it's almost too hot 
for it down yeah, I here. Figured, I figured the the fungus would really get to you there with the humidity. You know, you got to fight oh, that. Oh yeah, that's right. So we, and of course, we, we even with here, we had to spray. You know, if it comes some rain, we had to spray pretty regular. And uh, so, you know, we spray. Grasshopper's been horrible this year. They they nearly ate us out of oh. house and home before we got sprayed. Got half the vineyard sprayed, and I got sick for about a week, and then came back, and I'm looking down there half like, where'd it go? <laughs> you know. Where, where did the where did the plants go? I know they were here last week. Those grasshoppers they had Thanksgiving out there for a while until me and my sprayer got a hold of them and really knocked them down. So but they are sick this year. Uh, so Derek, uh, you got any questions of anything we might have missed? I mean, we talked a lot. Uh, and, yeah, and some great stories too coming from the, the different films. Uh, I I heard the quail whistle. Showdown on the Brazos, and I've got your six, which mm-hmm. I cannot wait to see. I got your six. Hopefully, it'll be out pretty soon. Uh, like I said, we're finishing it's, it. That's so tomorrow. awesome. That's so awesome. <laughs> For the dead yeah. I, I can't it's, wait. Uh, yeah. I think for, really? You mentioned one story, mentioned the stories. I do want to tell you the, the how I got the title, I Heard the Quail Whistle, because there's a story in itself. I had this manuscript written, and I was going to enter it in a contest, and I never could find the title I liked. And I had it named two or three different things, and would erase it out of their terrible names. And then one day, it was about this time of year, I'm out feeding my horses right at dark, and I hear a quail whistling in the in the distance. And I said, there, and the, you know, it's like two days before the contest. Oh. I said, there's my title right there and so i ran back in i mean i literally ran back into the house changed the title i heard the quail whistle when and, and implemented some quail stories into the story so it would make sense and uh i got his title and it is kind of a story in the story in itself so that's awesome i'm curious to know what were the other titles that, that you were uh, running that- with Let's see, Devil Woman, Irish Woman, Irish <laughs> Devil. <laughs> I'm seeing a theme. There's nothing real catchy. there. See, I got, you said Redhead and Irish. First person that comes to mind for me is the pro wrestler Becky Lynch. I don't know who that one is, but I quit watching <laughs> wrestling back in the 80s. Well, uh, she She's a hothead, but unfortunately, she, she has stepped away from wrestling at the moment because she's pregnant. So I don't know how much that's going to help oh. you now, but after Corona, you know, yeah. there, there may there may be an option there for you. I tell you what, this is how far back I go with wrestling. I watched Fritz von Erich wrestling. Yeah, von Erich. I watched their daddy wrestle. He was my hero. Um, and Johnny Valentine and Ivan Putski and yeah, I mean, yeah. back in the sixties. And then you know that's back in long time ago. And then they they, they had the resurgence back in the eighties. And I yep. haven't watched it since probably middle eighties. But but uh, yeah. It, I used to, man, every Saturday night, sit down by the TV and watch yep. wrestling. Yep. Couldn't, couldn't oh, yeah. get enough of it. Out of, out of uh, oh, what's the Coliseum there in Dallas? Yep, yeah. Cowtown Coliseum and yep. Will Rogers Coliseum. Yep. And, uh, there was another one, and it was, they had no air conditioning in it, where the, and the Von Erichs owned it. And so yep. everybody in there was just sweating up a storm. And uh, the wrestlers, you know, they were all sweaty and, but it's just an old tin building. They had no upkeep. <laughs> and, and, and the only <laughs> and the only thing that kept the fans from the ring was a piece of rope. Yeah. No barricade, yeah. no nothing. Like everywhere else, it was a piece yeah. of rope. <laughs> it was like piece of rope. 
and they would give them all posters when they came in the door. They'd already had posters written up. And, them all. and of course, that's just contagious. Everybody would bring their own. And, and uh, what was bad was all during the biggest match, it would go off go off air. Every Saturday, and of course, as a kid, I couldn't figure it out. My dad would just laugh, but the announcer goes, folks, we're out of time. I wish you were here to see the last round of this epic match. They're going after it. We'll see you next week. And you're yeah. like, oh, I didn't get to see the finish of it. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, I always felt... Um, to me, the two big, the two best territories before I really got into WWE was Texas and uh, Georgia wrestling. Because uh, I never, I never saw, I never saw um, the Florida group um, where Dusty Rhodes came out of initially. I I remember him from Georgia, um, but with um, but with Texas, you know, the Von Ericks. Uh, I remember um, Harlem Heat came from there. Um, Shawn Michaels started in that area. Um, I mean, I, I watched all all of that, so I knew a lot. So when oh Texas guys in WWE or WWF at the time, cool. I know them. I watch them all the time. Before Vince picked them up, follow the money. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So Von Erics, they they really should be crazy for keeping wrestling going. Yeah, you know, they they kept it going for all those years. And, it, uh, even you know, w- yeah, Muhammad Ali got his his uh, show boat theme from. Uh, wrestling he watched gorgeous george yeah one time he said i was in the stands and everybody that was there wanted to see gorgeous george get beat he said they weren't there to watch him win they were there to get him see him get beat and they hated him so he just he decided to, to make that same persona about himself and they started Phil, him and howard cosell they got together and they started filling the stands because there's been no boy you talk about boxing back in those days muhammad ali and joe frazier george foreman oh man yeah yeah yeah. Uh, so I mean, we we talked about the winery. We talked about uh, the three films. We talked a little bit about your acting career. Is there anything we've missed that, that you want to bring uh, up? I don't know. Just uh, enjoying life. You know, I, I spent 33 years in education and um, retired and told everybody when I retired, I'm going to sit around and watch soap operas all day. <laughs> and I hadn't watched one yet. So. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, you know, it, it, it's just, you know, good Lord has blessed me. It's a great family, very supportive, and and uh, he's opening a lot of doors now that we've retired and just kind of doing what we want to do, and we meet a lot of great people, and, and uh, we're definitely getting the doors open for us. Well, if you decide to start watching soap operas, let us know so we can call hospice for you. Okay. <laughs> that's, what it'll be. that's what it'll be when, I, when I'm down and out. No. <laughs> So, wh- where can people find you online or your or your projects online? All right, let's get that final pitch uh, out there. You, know, you mentioned IMDb. That's probably the best place for Facebook. We're working on a, a web page right now. I had one back when I first started my uh, trying to sell my novel, but I let it. I was you know one man show then, but uh, I branched out. So we're going to get a web page, but we don't have one right now. So just go to my Facebook or Showdown on the Brazos Facebook or the IMDb page. Um, we try to, you know, post pictures of the behind the scenes, casting call and everything on Facebook and try to keep people updated. I posted a, a, a comedy video today, if you want to check that out, like making fun of having to wear a mask. You know, just I shot it with my iPhone, just uh, 10 seconds or whatever. You know, oh, that's uh, cool. 
yeah, go in there and check it out. But, uh, but uh, yeah, those are the main places right now. And then once we get a website, we'll have our movie information, our wine information, and all that kind of good stuff. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you for joining us this week. Uh, thank you so much for having me. I know you're going to be back on in the future. Uh, it, this thank was you. awesome. And like like we said, yeah, yeah. like like I said in the beginning, um, we, we've had many independent film stars uh, who have done Westerns. And the screeners we have seen, they were they were amazing films. Absolutely loved them. And, and loved Great. the fact that they had that old school vibe. Um, and you just talking about I've got your six and what you're doing with it. Uh, that is, you know, considering my father-in-law um, sir, had served 22 years in the Air Force before he was medically discharged. Uh, we lost him a few years ago, but um, I've always had a respect for the military anyway, yeah. um, which uh, one of our great, great patrons, our patrons on Patreon is a uh, young man who who has been um, who is a disabled vet right now and going through a lot of issues. But respect, I respect them for stepping up and, and wanting to serve our country. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of the reason we did. I got your six to let those people like that veteran you know realize that there's other veterans out there that will be there to help them out whenever yeah. they need that help. And uh, oh, I thought of something else. If they want to go to YouTube and see our trailer to Showdown on the Brazos, just Google Showdown on the Brazos okay. on YouTube, and you can see our trailer. It's award-winning trailer. And uh, right. take a look at that. Gives you an idea of what it looks like. Awesome! Can't wait. I can't wait to see it when it's done too. But I definitely want to see. Yeah. I definitely want to see. I, I got your six first since it's it's okay. almost ready to come out. But I, yes, I can't. I can't wait to see all the films. And I, I'm excited to hear about uh, when when you start filming. Um, I hear I heard the quail whistle. I, I can't wait to yeah, start hearing the stories from that. Yeah, there's yeah. always lots of stories behind the scenes. <laughs> I, I'm an audio engineer by trade at Walt Disney awesome. World, so I I love the behind the scenes stuff. I'm a I'm a bonus bonus featured junkie when it comes to Blu-rays and DVDs. You and me both. You and me both. That's the first thing I watch. Yeah. If, if it's a movie I've already seen, it's like, you know, I'm watching the bonus features first, then I'll get back to the movie because this there is new info. So. Yeah. Well, awesome. Yeah. Scenes deleted and all that kind of good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, it's been great, yeah. guys. I love And I really appreciate this. Oh, it was our honor. And, and again, yeah, you're yeah. welcome. You're welcome back anytime. Oh, anytime. Great. Bro. Thank you so much. And when I get uh, where we can show the six, I'll let you know. You got it. Excellent. They have to get you to pre preview it for us, and and that's yeah. that you can let everybody know. Yeah. And next time oh, you yeah. come back on, bring some cast members with you on whatever okay. film we're we're definitely pitching first. Because you now, why why not share the wealth with them too, and let us there you go. have a fun they'd conversation with them as well. Yeah, they'd be glad to. Maybe we can all have a bottle of your wine and we'll be sipping while we're. There you go. Mm-hmm. There you go. That sounds like a winner. So awesome. Well, thank you again, Bill, and uh, we'll thank talk you. soon. You have a great weekend. You too. You too. Take care. You too. Bye. Bye-bye. He slimed me. Actually, I don't think he did, but that was cool. Well, maybe a little. Okay. But not Bill. Bill was awesome. <laughs> he did not slime us. We came out of that okay. <laughs> that that was awesome. I, I got to say, again, I respect the man. Or with I Got Your Six, trying, you know, making it 
I think he said yeah. everyone yeah. on screen is a military veteran. There's two roles that aren't in their voiceovers. It's very cool. Bill, sir, I salute you for that. I, that's very commendable, and I am definitely excited. If there was a if there was a Kickstarter or a GoFundMe for the or Indiegogo for this, and I had known about it, and he was, and that was the direction he was going. I would donate. That's mm. that's how I feel about our military people, our military yeah. veterans, and even our active military. You guys have my respect. I mean, it, it's my my grandfather uh, laughed when I was being recruited. I don't know if you were recruit being recruited out of high school. I think that's something they did with. Yeah, yeah. Um, but my my grandfather said, um, "Look, you, I know you want to go into entertainment. You want to go into the theater world." You tell them you'll join if they give you armed services, television, and radio. I'm like, okay. Hmm. But every time I went in, I took the pre-ASFAB, all that, scored high. Oh, we can put you on this. We'll put you, you know, you can be a helicopter mechanic. Put you, uh, you, you have a chance of becoming an officer. I'm like, cool. I want ASFAB or A-Star. How do you know about A-Star? Because I got a grandfather who's <laughs> a retired Navy veteran, World War II Navy vet. Um, uh, and, and he's looking out for me with the career I want to do after the military. Uh, we can't do a star, which is short for armed services, television, and radio. I'm like, well, then I'm not interested, but thanks for the lunch. <laughs> so a week later, I get taken to lunch by another recruiter. So, uh, have you taken the pre ASVAB? Yeah, I took it with the army the other day. I think I was with Navy this time. Cool. Well, what did you score? I told him. So, what would you like to do? Like, A-star? And the, the heartbreak. I can't do A-star. Then I can't do the military. Sorry. How come they couldn't do it? Because the area I was in, they were more focused on frontline type guys uh, and the mechanics. Oh, and right, right, right. More, more combat-related roles, even though we weren't. You know, this was 89. We weren't in a combat situation quite yet. I mean, things were still tight. Cold War, but I mean, the wall was still up in Berlin, and there was still some of that heat. But um, so I walked out of the Navy's recruiting office, and Air Force looked at me, and the Navy rep, he wants A star. Air Force reps like, yeah, I can't help you there. Uh-huh. <laughs> Just walked out. He drove me home. I got two free meals out of it. Okay, that's something at least. So, um, so when I get get the call from the Marine Corps, they go, "Interest, um, love to talk to you about the Marine Corps. Take you to lunch." I'm like, "Love the lunch," but I'm gonna tell you right now, um, unless you, I could get a star, I'm not interested. Oh, well, okay, thanks. I'm like, "Damn, I should wait till after lunch." <laughs> I never got taken to lunch or anything like that. Yeah, I got taken to lunch twice. Part of it was too. I I'm an Eagle Scout, so that kind of flagged ah. flagged it as well. So and that supposedly was gonna jump me up in in rank as well. That once I got out of boot, I would have jumped up. If I was non-com, I would have jumped up to uh, immediately to either a corporal or basic sergeant, whoever the the lowest tier sergeant is. Or I could have gone to uh, officer candidate school, one or the other. But I couldn't get A-star. Doesn't mean I don't respect those who who do go. Because um, I will I will love right. to have had the opportunity with that and, and do the training, you know, be paid to do to train to jump out of airplanes or repel. I was all into that. I still want skydive. I still want to do that once. Um, but now, lots of respect for those guys. Um, military's got my support big time. So, um, yeah, I think that wraps it for us. You got anything else? Any final thoughts? Uh, uh, nope. I thought I had something, but I don't seem to recall it. So, nope. You know what? We we always try and get at least one story from the Pop Insider. I know it's the last. I'm gonna go to their 
site, which I'm there. We're going to go over, I'm going to, I'm going to toss out a couple story titles and see what sticks, see what you're interested in. Uh, we be geeks podcast collective weekly roundup. Hey, wait. Oh, let's talk about that. It's us. Cause we're, we are proud podcasting partners of the pop insider. Um, celebrate Harry Potter's birthday with new collectibles from fan, fan attic. And it's spelled different than the sports fan attic store. Take that as a no. Get on board. Oh, I saw this at uh, Pop Insider Sweet Sweet. This is pretty cool. Get on board with a first of its kind Pokemon game. <laughs> Interesting. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna pull two because I I want to do this story. Is I, I think I want to do this story because this is pretty cool. Um, and I don't remember if we covered it before, but if we didn't, great. Um, fans can now rule the world. Um. Of Pokemon in 30 minutes or less. Pokemon, the Pokemon Company International released a trading card battle academy today, and it's the first board game to be based on the classic trading card games. It comes with a two-player game board, tutorial guides, three 60-card decks, uh, Charizard, Pikachu, and Mewtwo, uh, gameplay accessories, and a code card for free for the free Pokemon trading card game online, which is available for iOS, Android, and at Pokemon.com. You, as a, as a trainer, whether you're experienced or like us, know nothing at all, uh, can partake in Battle Academy, as it's easy to understand and loaded with your favorite characters. Those who have a little more battle experience can skip ahead to the rulebook for advanced players. That toughens the game. Um, and on Pop Insider, when you click to, click on this, there is a video that demonstrates how this is done. Uh, battle Academy is available at mass and hobby retailers and online at Poke Center at the Pokemon Center's website. This is actually pretty. It's it's pretty cool. Um, I mean, for like my for Zoe and I, it's a chance to play the game. You could use the actual trading cards, the Pokemon cards that you buy at Target or whatnot with this as well, which for for me, that means I could go to the J- Japan Pavilion. If if the Mitsukoshi shop is open, they sell cards there. They used to sell them from Japan, but huh. I mean, they sell all, they get all the current cards when they come out, if not a hair sooner. Mm-hmm. So, so we could play all that on this board game, but use this to learn how to play. That would be kind of cool. That's very cool. So yeah. I, I think that's a cool idea. That, that's why I said I'm going to stick with the story, because I, I would be interested in this. When you learn how to play this, then it becomes easy to play this, like the Star Wars games or any of the others. I think Magic's a little different, but I still got to figure out how to play. Uh, what was the card game we got from... Uh, Oh yeah, spoils. God. Yeah, I still got. I have. It's been so long since I've looked at that. I. I want. I gotta get back. I gotta figure out how to play that again. Yeah. We may have to get together on a day off and play it online. Uh, we could try. Yeah. I don't see why. No. I don't know. I don't know how well it'll work, but we can try it. And I've never actually done that, but I don't see why we couldn't. I mean, we'll figure it out. That'd be cool. And then the mm. second story, Kevin Smith to develop an animated Green Hornet series with Wild Brain. Interesting. Kevin Smith and Wild Brain are create, are teaming up to create an original Green Hornet series animated. Uh, we don't believe Ryan Reynolds or Seth Rogen will be allowed near the studio. When did Ryan Reynolds do a Green Hornet? I don't, not that I recall. Not that I recall either. I don't recall that at all. Unless he was going to do a series and it just never happened. I don't know. I I don't know anything about 
a Ryan Reynolds Green Hornet. I don't either. Anyway, they're not going to be allowed near the studio, but we can expect to see elements of the franchise that the fans know and love. The series will tell the tale of two Hornets taking elements from the classic superhero story, such as the high-tech Black Beauty, uh, which is the car, and setting them in modern day. The grown son of the original Green Hornet and the daughter of Kato will take the lead. Ooh, interesting twist. I'm down with that. Mm. Kato has a daughter and she takes over for his role. Mm. I could deal with that. They come right off the cuff and explain who she is. That justi- that that gives enough justification for me that I can accept as if I wouldn't accept it anyway. But it makes more sense. Oh, she's the daughter of Kato. Yeah, it's okay for the new Kato to be a female. No big deal. It it works. Especially especially when it's the daughter of the original Kato. Exactly. That that makes it even better. Yes. If it was just just a random woman girl that they pulled in and made Kato, I mean, that'd be okay, but... The fact that it's his daughter, that, yeah. you know, you get the legacy there, so it's cool. I mean, even if they said, you know, and the son of Kato will take the lead, that still would have been okay. Right. But I, I like this twist of the daughter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because it fits today's generation. Today's generation, yeah, it very easily could be Kato. I mean, I don't know about you, but a lot of the MMA matches I've seen, UFC matches, whatnot, a lot of those women could kiss some of the guys' butts in the same same weight class. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just saying. They could kick my butt because I just don't have it. <laughs> anyway, mm-hmm. uh, the series will draw uh, its inspiration from Saturday morning classics such as Batman the anim- Animated Series, Heavy Metal. Mm. I don't remember Heavy Metal being a Saturday morning classic unless I'm thinking of something no. different. <laughs> unless I'm thinking of... Unless, no. unless they're thinking of a different Heavy Metal. I don't know. I don't like, think they are. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Super Friends. Uh, Smith says in a press release, it will target a family audience. Not with heavy metal vibes, you won't. Uh, it will target a family a- audience, but I've said it once and I'll say it again. Cartoons are for everyone. Um, go to Kevin Smith's YouTube channel for a video talking about this more. And this is, both of these stories were written by Nicole Savas, who's a editorial intern over at the Pop Insider. We may need to see about getting hurt. I'll have to talk to Allie, see if she's available to come on the show, talk some stuff. Yeah. That way we spread the, the wealth around. And Allie, if you're listening, we could, you want us to not haze, but pick on her for being an intern? We could do that. <laughs> we could do that. Now nah, she'll have a good time if she comes on the show. So, uh, mm. yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm seeing one of the headlines. <laughs> okay, never mind. This is from March 2018, and I don't remember this even back then. <laughs> Related posts, like I said, it goes back to March of 2018. The headline is, a new Lego game, a new Lego The Incredibles game is coming in June. I don't remember that game ever coming out. Mm, I missed nope. it. So, um, final thoughts. I know I asked that um, before. Well, actually, there is one final thing that I, I actually see here on Pop Insider that I wanted to bring up. Sure. And that is, there is there is a new Ren and Stimpy documentary coming. Oh, Ooh. That explores all of the drama behind the scenes. Ooh. Hey, Ren. <laughs> that will be something to look forward to. Comes out August 14th awesome. on VOD and Digital HD. Awesome. Oh, if you've listened to this week's, um, no, last week's Wookie Radio and you heard us talk with uh, 
Dano, which was a great interview. Uh, we'll, we'll bring this up again over on uh, Wookie Radio this next next week because Ken's on vacation. He's going to the forest moon of Endor. Oh yeah, That's and right. so we have Aaron, who we were on his show, Aaron Bosling, uh, coming on oh, yeah. with us. Um, we're gonna we're gonna have a good chat with him. Um, little round of Smuggler's Feud as well. Sorry, Derek. Oh, boy. Don't escape it. And Derek's thoughts on that? (laughs) Now jiggle. Jiggle. Okay. Um... But Dano has the the Batu bounty hunt that he runs. Uh, of course, you could go to Batu bounty hunt guild on Facebook to to be a part of his guild. Uh, I sent you, Derek. I sent you and Ken links to where he gave Wookie Radio plugs on his last two uh, YouTube videos. Let's mm, check those out. So I think I where I dropped the links should drop you real close to right before uh, he gives the plug. But we are starting our own hunt and hope to do uh, some collaboration hunts with him once Di- Batu West opens or Disneyland. Um, <laughs> eventually do some some joint hunts with him, or if he ever comes this way, we do a joint hunt with him here. Um, ours. is is going to be called the Great Hyperspace Chase. <laughs> um, I think Derek and I came up with Hyperspace Chase last week. Of course, Ken mm. came up with Add the Great, which seemed to work and right. ends up being a great name. Yeah. So we're going to be bringing to you here in the future. I won't say near future because we're still going to figure some things out because um, we're probably going to use a uh, goose chase with it to, to keep track. And we may do, depending on the leader, you know, since it has a leaderboard, yeah, we'll do prizes for the hunts, small prizes, now maybe stickers or whatnot, and some credits because I'm having some Star Wars credits made up that we could ship out. Um, but you know, maybe eventually, maybe once a quarter, send out a a slightly bigger prize with it. Mm. Who knows? I have a nice little prize pack for a quarterly winner, so every three months there'll be a big winner. That'd be cool. Mm. So we're we're still. We're still trying to fine tune the contest because right now there's not, I can't get into studios. So we're talking about this would be one of those where it'd be like traveling through the hyperspace. Some find something at a store of this or find something with that product, show us photo evidence. So this would be one of those where you could do it from your own house and not be at Disney. But we will have those special occasions with special prizes where when I'm able to get back to studios, which I'm blacked out at the moment, or when the when the guy when the other two smugglers join me down there, um, down here for it, uh, we, we can make a, a fun little event with it. So, well, we're gonna have fun. And if you guys like it there, maybe we'll do a do a, for Weeby Geeks a bug hunt since we kind of play on the uh, <laughs> Starship Troopers vibe. Some maybe we do a bug hunt for for us for this show. <laughs> You're laughing like that may be a good idea. Maybe. So we'll figure it out. We got to get hyper, the great hyperspace chase going first. See how that works. Then we'll see about bringing it here. So um, you you gave yours final uh, about the Ren and Stimpy. We got nothing else, right? Nope. And there's only one thing left to be said. Want to know more? <laughs> 
So, um, the bad crowd you've been hanging out with is a science fiction club? This has been a Weeby Geeks production. Hey, I'm just here to, so I don't get fined. So y'all can sit here and ask me all the questions y'all want to. I'm going to answer with the same answer so y'all can shoot if y'all please. Yeah.